Welcome to RPG Reanimators, a podcast for GMs where we dissect horror scenarios and offer our experience and advice to reanimate it at the table. I'm Lex. I'm Nathan. And I'm Alex. So let's see what's on this lab. The case report for this session is The Last Things Last, which is a scenario written by Brett Kramer with Shane Ivey for Delta Green. In this scenario, agents work to clear up the estate of a dead Delta Green agent who may have hidden some deadly secrets. As with any dissection, we'll be discussing all the gross innards of the scenario. So from this point on, there will be spoilers. So if you're interested in playing the scenario, please stop here and share this episode with your GM so they can listen and consider running this for your group. We'll also include links for where you can acquire a copy of this scenario for yourself in the show notes for this episode. And now with that out of the way, let's begin our dissection. So, Alex, what's the general setup for this scenario? So Delta Green agents, yes, are called in order to clean up the estate of a dead Delta Green agent, Clyde Bowman. But eventually they're going to figure out that Clyde was up to some things that he shouldn't be messing around in, which is reanimating his wife and locking her up in a septic tank in a remote cabin. Cool. it's really not a complex scenario that's really all there is to it yeah that's fair i mean this is included in the free need to know guide for delta green and it's very much meant to be an introductory scenario to really bring your players on board and decide how you want to torture them with various other beasties within the delta green universe and just a Go even further than that. Clyde never had the the guts or the tenacity in order to put what remains of his wife out of his misery, and he eventually dies of a heart attack, so he leaves this behind for your agents to find out and deal with. And this is going in the kind of classic vein of Delta Green scenarios where the agents come in at barely any information from their handler, in this case just clean it up and everything they do from there, they have to figure out and investigate. So GMs have to make sure that players don't completely lose the lead because there won't be an upper management helping them out very much. So are there any key locations described in the text? Well, there's two key locations, really. The first is Clyde's apartment, which is going to be where the agents start out. Uh, From their investigation there, they should learn that Clyde has a cabin out in the woods, TM. Uh, This whole scenario can be set any place where you can have a cabin or just some place out of town a bit that people wouldn't go very often. That was something I thought was funny in this scenario. They don't even set a location. They're like, it's in the city. There's an apartment in the city. There's a cabin a few hours out of town. Go nuts. Where do you guys usually set it? So I set my location in New England because I love the different states and how each state is a couple hours drive away, which helps with the pacing. I usually start them out in Connecticut and then have them drive up to a cabin in Vermont, which is about four hours. Also, I can tie in the toll highway toll systems to use that as an additional clue. 
That's smart. I like the toll idea. I usually set mine in Wisconsin because I'm often playing with people from this area, and it kind of helps them to visualize the initial scene and the cabin if it's someplace they're vaguely familiar with. I think with me, I'd be very tempted to sit in Colorado. It's just the winding, twisty mountain roads leading up to an isolated cabin, I think, can provide for some good imagery. Yeah, I like that idea, though. Um, one of the things about the cabin is it's so remote that there's not usually a large chance of discovery, and that's something I'd like to tie in it later. But if you're up on a, a mountainside, you could maybe see if they blow up the cabin. People might actually see that and come looking and investigating. Whereas if you're at the cabin and there's gunfire, people are just going to assume it's hunting if it is hunting season. Right. right. And another reason that I'd be tempted to set it in Colorado is jumping ahead a bit if marlene were ever to escape uh, there's plenty of wild animals that could go charging around and play host to the other but i'm getting ahead of myself actually that's a good enough segue uh let's talk about some of the npcs that are mentioned in here first let's go through clyde and then to marlene and any others that may come across so clyde is the dead delta green agent who died of a natural cause of a heart attack and he has been on a lot of operas in the past, most likely a lot of Vietnam era stuff, a lot of majestic era stuff. And he has been collecting some objects and not putting them away in a green box like he should be, but storing them away in his cabin, which is a something for the players to deal with. On top of that, you can clearly see Clyde as a man who is haunted by his work with Delta Green. You can see how his family life is falling apart and how his bonds are deteriorating to make him a little more human, a little more relatable. Marlene, on the other hand, puts up a facade of being Clyde's wife, at first seeming very sympathetic in an effort to get the players to release her from the septic tank that she is locked in. In reality, she's not uh, Marlene at all. She's some eldritch being that is mimicking her and can get all kinds of extra knowledge to try and tempt players with, uh, with the core goal of just getting out and probably causing more mayhem. And last but not least, of the written NPCs in Last Things Last, there's Miss Jenowitz, which who acts like a complication for the agents as she is the stereotypical nosy neighbor who wants to see what the agents are up to when they enter Clyde Bowman's apartment. And for, let's call it, unnamed NPCs, uh, there's a very brief mention to... Clyde Bowman's granddaughter, Cassie, as her name is on one of the hand, or it's on a piece of artwork that's put on his fridge in his apartment. Just out of curiosity, have you all ever brought in the family for this, or are they not necessary as an added complication? I think they're just a looming threat that aren't seen during scenario play, because the agents are on a timetable to clear out Clyde Bowman's properties before his family stumbles in and gets to look through all of the stuff and maybe stumble upon the wrong thing. So, yeah, they just act as a, a timer. 
So if the family would be a looming threat, how would you describe right. Marlene as an active threat for the agents? Well, I would say that Marlene is physically there at one of the locations that the agents can explore, which is the cabin and the septic tank below. She has agency where she wants to get out of the tank and is not afraid to hurt people who get in the way of her escape. Yeah, if we think of the family as the truck running the agents down, Marlene is the spike trap that they run over on their way out. And so with all this, what would you say would be the real beating heart of the scenario? What would you really want to emphasize and bring home for this? From my perspective, this is a great intro because you can get the theme of Delta Green, the isolation from Bonds. Clyde is a lonely, sad individual. His apartment is neglected and very obvious to see that he really doesn't have anyone in the world. Comparing that as well with these threats that are just kind of pushed to the side and not secured very well really gets people into the mood of Delta Green. Yeah, it's it's really grim, and you should be treating this scenario, in my opinion, as a master class in pacing because you want to set up that atmosphere of that loneliness uh, Clyde has experienced and you want to control the pacing so that it's a it's a real slow burn. And you can also highlight uh, one of the beating hearts, which is just what Delta Green does to people, right? It churns them out, it grinds them up, and it destroys everything that they were ever a part of. And you can, it's really cool to see symbolically the bond mechanic. And you can even like apply that to Clyde, like Clyde's granddaughter cassie is probably his only bond left that is not just zero yeah it's fun for new agents to be able to see the end of their career written in front of them if they're lucky right i think at least in my read through of this it seemed like empathy was a real double-edged knife for this is the a lot of the scenario was really built to make the players feel like clive is a lonely broken man who is still grieving over the loss of his wife and then to find her begging for help out in this septic tank and like pleading to try and let her out that she's been stuck here, that he was actually sick and twisted. And I think that that is both intended to be the catch of this scenario, that if you do actually pity her and let her out, then all hell really breaks loose and that empathy can get you killed at Delta Green. So we've talked a lot as written. Um, what would you say are some general strengths or limitations of this scenario? It's simple. It's dead simple for new players and new GMs. It brings in lesser known character abilities from like accounting or forensics. If you haven't played a game like Call of Cthulhu before, you might not understand how useful these things can be in real life investigations. I would say a pro is that there is a lot of room to expand on and to add your own twist to such a simple scenario. And it is a great scenario to start off on, which is why it's in need to know, which is like the starter set. Well, before we get into reanimating this scenario, I'd like to contextualize our general experiences with Last Things Last. 
personally, I have not played or ran it, but I've read through it and watched some APs. Uh, Nathan? I've lost count of how many times I've run this, so four or five doesn't take much for me. Yeah, I've run this scenario around five times. So what's been your general experience with it? I mean, surely if you've run it that many times, there must be something good about it. I definitely want to talk about the moral dilemma that Nathan is bringing up because every single group that I've run through this uh, scenario absolutely lights up Marlene with no hesitation. <laughs> well, that sounds like a good enough cue to bring us into reanimation. So overall, how do you highlight the beating heart of this scenario? I like to bring in during the first half when they're in Clyde's apartment, actually will ask the players what aspects of their agent's lights do they see reflected in Clyde's apartment? So they might see things on the fridge that remind them of drawings that their child made. And then you kind of bring in how, yeah, you could see how maybe you'd hold on to that when the bond with your kid falls apart and kind of forecast that that is the end of the road for them. I usually like to add a little more flavor when detailing Clyde's life and how he was affected by Delta Green Agent. I personally think that to highlight this theme of loneliness and self-destruction, perhaps he has a box of photos of him and Marlene just tucked away in like the deep recesses of a closet instead of just hung up on walls because he can't bear to look at her anymore after reanimating her body like that. Yeah, that's a great clue for kind of how she ended up. I've used clues like that of a drawer full of rusted locks that he's brought back from the cabin mm -hmm. as sort of a, a weird thing that they can see and later put the pieces together of. Right. Um, do you add any more things that imply Delta Green uh, involvement in the apartment? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I like to add in his car just um, one of those tarps that are, is neatly folded up and a good amount of line in his storage closet. Oh. I've added a gun in his vents before. But back to the highlighting the beating heart of the scenario, I particularly like adding these personal items because he can't quite let go of them mm -hmm. and he can't quite bear to face them, which thematically mirrors his actions towards Marlene locked in the septic tank. So it sounds like really trying to hit on that environmental storytelling in terms sure. of really giving all of the detail about this character that they'll never get to meet. Yeah, and I would definitely draw out the searching of the initial apartment. In the text, there is a room with about 12 hours of sorting and busy work for a single agent. Have them spend that time just sorting through the remnants of this guy's life. I would had supplemental documents that would show like his lifestyle. Maybe he spends most of his money on beer. In his fridge, there's just beer and expired fast food. The only thing I would caution for that, because I've seen this happen when I've run it, is 
if they get enough clues to understand that there is a cabin that they want to check out, make sure that somebody doesn't just stay behind to do the paperwork and miss out on the entire second half. It needs to be clear that if if they get enough that the whole group is leaving, the whole group needs to leave. Yeah, I usually have the final clue that reveals that there is a cabin, definitely. That's revealed at the end of those 12 hours. The address is usually what I put in there is mm-hmm. they may know there's a cabin, but they don't get it until yeah. they get through the paperwork. Before that, you can hint at it, like, let's say, toll booth bills for frequent trips up to Vermont or up to the cabin. Some of my thoughts in reading through it that I would want to add a lot more hints and references to the cabin. I didn't necessarily like how the only key link as written was through these accounting papers that like, "Eh, you're going to have to strong on your players to really want to dig through just off the bat, in my opinion. So I thought about adding lots of old family photos with the same cabin in the background potentially another set of keys on the key ring by the door that would have maybe like a National Parks Wildlife key ring, one of those uh, flotation key rings on it that would have a noticeably newer master lock key on it. I'm still stuck on, I really like the idea of having lots of picture frames in hallways around in the rooms. Maybe he's likely a smoker, so the walls are sort of stained and that dark yellowish hue with several noticeable rectangles empty that you can tell some of the pictures had been taken down from the wall. And then whenever the players discover them, those are of he and Marlene in the closet. I also had a pitiful idea of he had photos of him and his children whenever they were young. And then there's a very large gap in terms of those photos don't really come around anymore. One of the last photos of who you may presume would be his daughter would be a printed out Facebook post of them and that he is stuck inside of a picture frame, which makes me feel sad. You could really go wild with the imagery. You could even have photo frames that were thrown and smashed and just trash bagged up only to be shoved into the back of a closet. You can even have just the classic pile of dirty laundry shoved into a corner of the room because this guy's just let go of himself. And there's actually a nice handout for that that they don't necessarily call out in the text of the X'd out Marlene's face in the uh, the title page of Last Things Last. I like to give that to players. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I like to use to highlight is really making Marlene pitiful and not obviously a terrifying zombie monster. Because as written, she's just in this tank. And when I have players that are cautious, they stick a cell phone down with their arm and go, hmm, that's a zombie. (laughs) Nope, 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 nope. And they leave. And it's a little more fun if maybe you believe that, yes, there's someone down there that he's kept. Add in some shelves, maybe some chairs that he sat on, some bars Uh, or a little door in between some way that he would communicate with this being that was down there. So you could believe that there's just been someone chained in the septic tank for ages. Unlucky. (laughs) So are there any major plot points or NPCs that you would want to remove or change for the sake of flow in the scenario? I'd like to know how, Alex, you've run with uh, Mrs. Janowitz. 
right because i found her kind of difficult to bring in naturally and present her as an actual threat beyond a slight annoyance oh i go crazy with miss janowitz because i have her initially appear peeking out of her door when the agents arrive and start unlocking clyde's apartment she asks hey what's going on and then i also have her because she's fairly easy to get rid of you just need to have a uh, 40% in persuade and she just goes away no role required which most agents should have um but that's besides the point i have her come back when she is maybe knocking on the door and she's made cookies or some tea for the agents uh, because she's such a good neighbor i also have her peeking out of the window overlooking the parking lot when they're searching Clyde's car, which is an addition I've added as well. Yeah, that's great. I've never thought to add the car, and I like that a lot. I also, uh, going back to your point mentioned earlier, where if some of the agents want to continue working through the accounting paperwork and the others are like, hey, there's a cabin, let's scoot. You can stay here and finish that. I would be tempted to have Miss Janowitz become much more insistent and just saying, it's like, now listen, you're not supposed to go in there without a warrant. And a reason for them to want to skedaddle. <laughs> she pulls out a gun. <laughs> That's why you never tell her you're federal agents. You just say, we're family. Oh, don't, doesn't everyone just wear big windbreakers that say Delta Green and big yellow <laughs> letters on it? New players, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, we've kind of talked a lot about adding new things to the apartment to add a little more flavor. I've also added a fair bit around the cabin. I like to add some witnesses. Um, so when I set this in Wisconsin, most lakes around here with cabins actually have multiple cabins around those. I don't know where you set them, if that's the same there. So there's probably a nice old couple that lives across the lake, which is very helpful if you want people to either bug them while they're at the cabin or provide as cannon fodder for Marlene to, in some cases, literally charge through. Yeah, speaking of cabin additions, I usually like to add a gun safe that acts as two things. One, as a means for the agents to arm themselves, and two, an extra clue back at the apartment, because on that key ring that's described on the wall, I add a gun safe key. And then the players will think, hey, there's no gun safe we found in the apartment. It's definitely somewhere else. So it's a it's very satisfying when they use that key on the gun safe. And in that gun safe is obviously not something that a normal civilian would have, which adds to the whole Delta Green conspiracy. I don't know, kind of going back to the photos or something, would you be tempted to sort of add in a 12L42R? 36L or something and have it to be a combination safe to give the player something to notice in the apartment and to try and dog ear and hang on to. Maybe it would be something on Cassie's, uh, on the picture that was on the refrigerator that they could try and call back. Yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, that makes it a little bit more of a puzzle than a straight key into a lock. They have mm -hmm. to kind of think about it. Yeah, that's great. I like to additionally add a lot more dead creatures around the cabin. Particularly, I have a deer that's near the steps up to the cabin, a dead, usually like a, a small, maybe even a baby deer. 
and when the agents show up, they'll see its eyes reflect in the headlights. But when they find it, it's clearly dead. So Marlene, in my mind, has a little bit more control over the dead than maybe as written. And she's trying to bring some of these things in to help unlock her, but they're not really effective at it. So a dead duck in the sink because it shattered through a window trying to find some way to help gives her some more ways out too. So I guess this is a, another question that when agents arrive at the cabin, is it at day or night? That's really up to them. They know that they're under a timetable, so they're probably going to want to rush and get everything done yeah. as soon as possible, which usually ends up being at night. Yeah, running it, I don't think I've ever had a group that breaks to sleep after they've spent the 12 hours doing the accounting. They usually start out kind of early in the day, pull an all-nighter, and then go, yeah, we can drive four or five hours up to this cabin, why not? Right, and that 12 hours of work is for one person, so you they could split that up. And right. Then it becomes the afternoon, and then they drive, and you can always change the location of the cabin so that it's always nighttime when they arrive anyway. Plus, you always um, get that accounting high whenever you finally discover something. I'm sure that energizes them more. Exactly. And one more change to the setting that I like to do is I like to make it snowing or snowy to basically cover up that hump where the septic tank is initially. And it's thematic too. This Clyde Bowman He's in his winter years. He's gone. I also think, just in other notes that I made and reading through it, that I would make the outhouse a noticeably newer hue of wood relative to the faded cabin and highlight the disconnected pipes a bit more. Because that's another detail that, like, if they're looking for it and if you remember to mention it, then maybe they'll put the dots together. But giving some more signposting i think to show like hey there's a few things here that don't add up something i would do as well with them getting to the cabin one of the things that they'll find is a footlocker with a lot of interesting objects within it some of which you could seed for later adventures or scenarios so be a little mindful about what you want to run and maybe add a little clue or two in there that can be brought in later. Or if like one of my groups, they never open the footlocker and Marlene gets out, she steals that footlocker and then it's whatever you need it to be. And she's taunting the agents by sending them little bits of things from this footlocker because Marlene knows a lot. I like that. That was also something I'd want to add to the footlocker is some sort of tome that he used to try and bring back Marlene. And like, maybe that is something that she wants and a reason to get out. And I, this may be borrowing a little bit too much from Edge of Darkness, but like have, having the thing have some more motivations aside from, I just yeah. want to get out. Mm -hmm. Yes, in that particular one, uh, unfortunately, I didn't continue with the group more past this, but Marlene, I had long-term plans of her just being a tormentor type and eventually killing and replacing their handler. So, you know, she's fun. Anybody that can just control the dead and realistically, the agents can't kill her in this scenario. Even if they do, there's what, just a light that escapes? She can come back. 
Right. You can do a lot with Marlene because it's not really described what she actually is other than this malign intelligence that's formless. So you can come up with anything you'd like that would fit your narrative. Yeah, and it has that nice evil dead quality to it. Whenever she possesses something, I added a little asterisk that like, as long as the brain is intact, then they have full access to all of the memories and things within that they can use against the agents. But so Nathan, in terms of mentioning things that you wished you would have continued with, what are some things that worked for you at the table or what are other things that maybe didn't work out that you had intended? Uh, something that worked for me is I had it where Marlene could not offer secrets about people until she saw them. So that became a very fun bit of we had a few more empathetic people, kind of to Alex's point, that actually went down to go see her. And once she sees them, then that's when she starts bringing in these little tidbits of like, oh, you've got a wife and kids like oh, are you sure you want to be doing this it's pretty dangerous maybe i could offer some spells to protect you if you let me out generally that won't work and they'll light up marlene anyway but that's kind of what you want the scenario to end with little action little action yes something that hasn't worked and i would caution against I stumbled a little bit on one of the playthroughs i gave a little bit too much information about Marlene and Clyde and it kind of led the players off to investigate more of Clyde's life and Marlene's life and for a two-hour scenario that's not really what you want to do it's best if this is tight yeah. have you ever had any players wander off into areas that you may not have ever intended or anticipated for this <laughs> yeah I had a couple start looking into a grave site and I had to kind of think on my feet and introduce a groundskeeper type that started talking about the satanic rituals that Clyde did up at the cabin and everybody knew about it, but no one wanted to call him on it. Just something to kind of get him back on track towards the cabin. It was still a lot of fun, but a little bit of thinking on the feet. I think I just would have let him sweat. And if they couldn't find that clue, they'd have to go back to the apartment. I think at that point they had the clues. They just wanted to be very thorough. So it was really a move it along, keep it going. And thinking about it later, I actually kind of liked the idea of Clyde having other people help him in the ritual to bring Marlene back. Maybe oh, like another one old... of his cell? Yeah, old cellmates that maybe did this as a favor for him. Could be a fun tie-in for later adventures if they meet these cellmates and... Maybe they have their own rituals that they brought and used for their own devices. This is sort of a broader statement towards Delta Green, because I feel like on paper, whenever you read through these scenarios, they give very clear mission briefings with a bullet list of four to five points. And it's like, you are supposed to go in, clear out the apartment. If there's anything spooky, get rid of it, then be done. But there is that sort of natural player curiosity with it. Something that I've toyed with doing in other Delta Green scenarios that have a proper briefing is to make the briefing points a handout to give to players that would look like it's on a ripped scrap of notebook paper that could potentially keep them on track with it. Because I've had a few issues with players sort of spinning their wheels and forgetting why they're even here to do anything. That's a great idea uh, for those that especially aren't used to Delta Green. 
they might be inclined to be a little bit more focused on helping civilians. And that's not really what Delta Green is about. Right. Either you're going to have a very hands-on handler that kind of defeats the you're alone and like no support in this, um, or you're going to risk getting things entirely off track and having to implement something else to really drive them back home. And I don't want to give the impression with that that I think players should always follow the Delta Green rules. I think that's part of the fun of this, of seeing those moments of empathy where they maybe say, yes, let's talk with Marlene when they know they have literal notes, most likely by the time they find the septic tank that say, burn it, just burn whatever's down there. Don't look at it. And you can, but it's really a lot more fun if they look. Mm -hmm. So trying to get that balance of humanity versus, well, maybe the rote rules approach. So out of curiosity, uh, you two have run this scenario collectively dozens of times. How many times have players just nuked Marlene from orbit? Because it's the only way to be sure. And how many have actually wanted to talk with her? Because in reading this, I got really excited and wanting them to talk with her. But I feel like RPG players and pyromaniacs are synonyms. And if you make the gas cans <laughs> too apparent, then yeah, that her fate's already sealed. Yeah, and all the times I've run this, they have gone into the cabin. They've seen Mr. Bowman's letter detailing, hey, please do what I didn't have the courage to do. And then they just do it because they don't want to know what's inside. They want to get rid of it because they're part of a organization that does get rid of things that are supernatural and that they don't understand. I've had about, I think about three or so out of the five maybe have actually interacted more meaningfully with Marlene. Um, I try to kind of force the issue with making it difficult to just set the thing on fire without opening it and at least hearing her. Right. Um, I don't know about you, Alex. Do you keep her chained and make her do the strength check to break out? No, I forgo that role because I think she has like a 99 in one of the skills. It's pretty wild. So it's like, why why even bother rolling at that point? And it makes for a better story if they're about to pour in this gasoline and one person's trying to hold down the hood, mm -hmm. um, the cover, and then it just bursts open. Yeah, I think that right there, that's a key scene for me is having someone holding that down or if they open it too wide and she thinks they're not going to talk with her, have her make a break for it and right. just kind of shoot out of the top of that and land and start attacking. That's a really fun moment where it goes from things are okay to immediately this is a disaster and we're firing guns in the middle of this placid lake scene. Yeah, I would only do that as a last resort when they're about right. to set her on fire and all that. A couple of right. thoughts or ideas on that, because that would immediately beg the question for me, why hasn't she broken out? already aside from it wouldn't be cool mm -hmm. uh so maybe to try and pour the gas cans they have to prize the lid open just a little bit more maybe there's a crowbar or something or else they're splashing gas all around the exterior of it um or as written there is a separate hatch to this septic tank that is buried further down in the ground so maybe after they light it and the flames are going off inside of it something <laughs> pops off in the distance and then Marlene jumps out. You could even set this up where 
Clyde, when he was alive, he's been upkeeping sigils that are keeping her in. And since he died, there's no one to upkeep the the sigils, mm. which weakens the prison that she's in. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Another way to handle it is she could get out anytime she wants. And it's only the agents arriving that makes her understand that Clyde is dead. And she's just been spending all this time down there to mess with him and make him feel awful. Oh, I like that. That's so evil. So every time the agents, like, when they come in, maybe she's playing up like, Clyde, Clyde, why are you hurting me this way? Why won't you just let me go? And when they get that chat of like, oh, we're we're not Clyde, that's when she starts to transition, pleading to be let out. And I've usually had players that go, Clyde's been dead for months. How is she eating? How is she getting fresh water? I don't buy it. What if her body was breaking down slightly from being waterlogged? You know, they mentioned like the legs or the flesh is peeling off of them. So maybe that's her reason is as soon as there is some fresh meat nearby and that she will bull rush to whichever agent is closest because they need a new host. Oh, that's really fun. Uh, visually, if her, she doesn't have legs, yeah, or they're and she's breaking crawling down as towards, she's coming yeah. after them. That's a great image because that was sort of in in lots of scenarios like this. I tend to envision undead having unnatural strength and things like that are using every single fiber of a muscle as it's going without regard for pulling tendons or breaking bones. And so whenever she hits you, she's going to hit you with 99 strength and you're going to hear the shoulder shatter out, but does not face them one bit. Are there any other ideas y'all have to try and expand the scenario? So I kind of talked before about having her run off with the footlocker escaping to later torment them as kind of a recurring villain or antagonist. Um, having her mess with bonds of the players is another fun thing that she could do is start to inhabit their bodies and draw them away. Um, You had mentioned Lex of actually having this ritual book. That would be pretty interesting to have players know about and maybe keep if you can get it to the right player. And that's an endless source of temptation for them when they see these rituals to resurrect people and maybe they see the part that, Oh, that must be where Clyde messed up this section here. Well, I could do it right this time. Like Nathan said before, you could expand this scenario by adding different items or hooks to the foot locker found in the cabin. You could also expand this scenario by adding just another scenario attached towards the end. I know it's a fairly popular choice to add the shotgun scenario metamorphosis onto the end when they're heading to the green box. I mean, I imagine that you can add any shotgun scenario or any scenario that starts with a green box when they're driving up to the green box to get rid of the contents of Bowman's stuff. That's great. That'd be a great one-two punch. Mm -hmm. A couple nice short scenarios. What's the wildest thing that has happened to you, Nathan, when you were running this? So I've mentioned before, I had a couple of retirees in another cabin. And this was one of the cases where they 
let Marlene out, not intentionally, but she didn't really attack the people. She just ran towards that other cabin and the nice old family there. Someone walked out to greet her and was just bull rushed through, basically ended up in two pieces. Marlene ends up inside the cabin with the remaining innocent and the agents just firebomb that cabin with someone still alive inside. He's nice. I think one of my favorite stories when I ran this one was when Marlene actually got a crit on one of the agents as she was clawing her way out and fighting her way out because she, she fights for a couple of rounds before leaving. And well, hey, there's a fresh new body right there. And that body has a gun. Nice. So even though she's this entity's not really trained at all, having a gun just being fired off in the general directions of the agents it makes a very satisfying play. And that's one of the parts I want to return to about this scenario and why I like it so much is it's got a beautiful two-act portion. The first investigation tone setting. Back to the cabin little bit more investigation the weird is creeping in and then a hell of a climax and then you're done out of curiosity whenever you've had marlene especially in the instances where the other i think as it's referred to in the text uh infects or um hosts another body um do you have any markings or identifiers for it? Something that I would be tempted to do is if maybe Marlene's heart had to be removed for part of the resurrection mm -hmm. for the thing to reside inside of it. So any animal or things that she infects, like is going to have this giant puncture in their chest uh, where the, it rips out or consumes the heart. Yeah, that's a really good point, Lex, because in the text itself, it doesn't go into how she possesses these dead bodies. So... I have the bodies be visibly dead, like these wounds on this creature should have killed it, but once again, it's twitching, it's spasming, it's trying to have some semblance of life as it tries to escape. That's the other way. I like doing that in this scenario, absolutely, as the corpses nearby are pretty fresh, but when the agents start to realize that there's no reason if she's quiet and subtle and kills someone, there would be no way to tell other than the body rotting. So like in the case of this handler, I was planning to have them start meeting in flower shops or oh, like maybe at like the perfume section of the thing. So subtly starting to be like, no way it's hiding something and it's the scent. Maybe it starts wearing sunglasses around. Yeah. Baggy clothing, mm -hmm. heavy perfume. Very nice. We hope our deranged utterings are helpful in bringing this game to life at your table. You can join the autopsy discussion on Discord and subscribe or follow the podcast to hear more gruesome cases. Be sure to check out the show notes for links on where to find the scenario, where to find us, and other links for things like handouts, actual plays of the scenario that we recommend, and any other resources. So until next time, thanks for listening to RPG Reanimators. Where your games can die or live on the table.
We don't have anything funny to add. Say something dumb. <laughs> Not a chance. Dick fuck dunk. Whoa. What? There we go. Pretty you just brave have to top from that, the ed- <laughs> Pretty brave from the editor. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think pineapple pizza is pretty good. No. I'm going to bury you in a septic tank. Okay, but like spicy Hawaiian, get that Hawaiian pizza with jalapenos on it. That is oh, actually, that actually good. sounds good. Yeah, a little bit of spice to... Yeah, you're you're both going in the septic tank. <laughs>